This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you season two of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. The the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. All right, here we're back. Mailbag edition of Silver and Black today on this Wednesday. Thank you for being with us. Mo Moten, Scott Goldbranson with you. And we are getting right back to the calls. The next one comes from our good friend, Mo. Swag Jeff from Raiders Fan Radio called in and left us a message. So here's Jeff. Scott, Mo. Swag Jeff from Raider Fame Radio. How you guys doing, man? First and foremost, I want to say, Scott, thank you again so much for coming to Middle Tennessee last week to do a super fun show <laughs> of Raider Fame Radio. And we even got Mo on. What do you think about that, man? That's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> hey, man, look, I'm going to keep it short. I'm going to keep it sweet, man. Antonio Pierce, he needs to be hired. You know, I understand that you can't make the change midseason, whatever it is, but come the last snap of the regular season, postseason, God forbid, this guy needs to be made the full head coach. You know, I think we saw Mark talk about, Mark Davis, talk about how he kind of regretted not bringing in Rich Bisaccia full-time, all that stuff. Well, now he has a chance to kind of make a similar decision once again. And what do we always say about Antonio Pierce? Those first couple of wins, amazing, got the team rallied, got the team fired up. But emotions are fleeting. They're not sustainable. So what we've seen over the course of the last couple of weeks is a team that is playing for his coach um, and all that stuff. And what we see with the player development with some of these young guys, Malcolm Coons, Bob Spillane, you know, all these guys, Jack Jones, all this stuff, that's not fleeting. The development of these young players and getting them and putting them in positions to be successful, win the game, all that stuff, that's not fleeting. That is sustainable. So I think we get the right offensive uh, coordinator in the mix this offseason, 
draft smart, do what we got to do, maybe pick up Justin Fields, maybe not, whatever. Let's just bring in every quarterback that isn't currently on a team or doesn't want to play for their current team. <laughs> bring everybody in, have an open tryout, and may the best quarterback win. But much respect to you yeah. guys. Uh, can't wait to listen to the show. Love you guys. Go Raiders. There you go. Swag Jeff. My guy, awesome. Swag Jeff. Yes. He Great said to you know were, show. He said you were on the show when I was down there. I, I barely remember. Yeah, because you were f- completely fried by the I was time very I tired. got on. Yes, I was very tired. Very tired. <laughs> and that's what you want to call it. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, man, thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Such such good folks, as I said, uh, all the folks at Raiders Fan Radio. Uh, man, I can't thank them enough for hosting me down there. It was a, it was a great, great time. Uh, but to his point, Antonio Pierce, and I think this is Jeff's point of view, and if you watch their show, you know it's nothing new because they've talked about it and – uh, when they mm-hmm. were at Crab Fest for the Blitnikoff Foundation, they met with Antonio Pierce, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's great. And I think everything he's like, I don't disagree with anything he said. Um, I think he did touch on one thing we talked about before the break, Mo, and that was great. Antonio Pierce, absolutely. His development on the defense, which Patrick Graham deserves a lot of credit for that as well. Patrick Graham may be probably, the, I don't know that he'll get a job, but he will be a head coaching candidate around the league. You can guarantee he will get interviews. So there's no guarantee he comes back. Uh, but at that same time, he mentioned, well, bring in a good offensive coordinator. Well, as we talked about with the Harbaugh situation earlier, you tap into the people you know. And so we don't know. I know Antonio Pierce knows a lot of people. If it's if it's Gase, like you said earlier, eh, who else does he know? That's the problem. And then suddenly you're like, well, wait a minute. Champ Kelly can go find a, 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 an offensive coordinator. Well, Champ Kelly's not a football coach. Champ Kelly is a GM. His, his job is more on the play. Yeah, he's got to hire coaches and get recommendations, but he's not into the coaching tree business. He doesn't know, he doesn't have relationships with coaches like other coaches do. So to me, uh, Jeff brought it up right there, which I think is all the positives about Antonio Pierce you can't argue with. But the challenges for Antonio Pierce certainly start to emerge when you start to say, well, just go get an offensive coordinator. Easier said than done, Mo. Here's what I'll say, because I want to make this clear before people misquote or don't hear me well on this. I'll forget them. It's okay. You can just all, say what you want. All the positive things that Jeff brought up about Antonio Pierce is why I believe he's a strong candidate. The develop. Yep. I talked about it on sports. Now I talked about it on the show. The player development is there. The defense uh, has an extra sh- swagger with Antonio Pierce at the helm as the interim. Uh, he has the buy-in of the locker room. See, he has all those those check marks right there. Now, as I said, the big question is, and you pointed out who is who would be his coordinator if he were the head coach i i know that with antonio pierce if he's the full-time head coach i know that my defense is going to play at a higher level i know that he can elevate my linebacker core because he's also done that robert Spillane is is a great example and i know that he's going to be a motivator in that locker room but at the same time what is the biggest objective for the raiders this offseason find their franchise quarterback and then after that, it will be developing that quarterback. So Antonio Pierce, when he sits down in that interview, he's going to have to have a quarterback plan. He's going to have to have an offensive plan. And we'll talk about this on Thursday. The Raiders should blow up their offensive plan because that's Josh McDaniel's system that didn't work. Right. So next season, they're going to have to start. They should start a, a clean slate on offense. I'm not saying trade everyone. But the system, the scheme has to be different. Antonio Pierce has to be able to work with someone to bring forth a productive system that's going to score more than 20 points a game with some consistency. So 
I'm with Swag Jeff on the good things about Antonio Pierce. Now, as I said, the big question, something we can't answer is, who's your OC? What's your yeah. offense going to look like? Right. And coming in with that plan to start a season is much different. And this is why, and I'll, uh, this is the last time I'll mention it, because I don't, again, I'm not bringing this up as an anti-Antonio Pierce stat. It's not what it is. But if you look at since 2000, so the last 23 years, if you look at interim coaches who have taken over and you look at their success rate after that, especially those who got the job full time after being interim, it's never worked out well. There's only been one example, and that was Jason Garrett in Dallas, who took over as an interim and went on in three straight years after that to make the playoffs. But then, of course, you know, Jason Garrett never got very far in the playoffs, got fired later on. But he did have success getting to the playoffs. You know, you get there, got to give the guy credit for that. But every other example, there's been no example of that happening. I mean, even if you look, somebody brought up Dan Campbell to me yesterday. Dan Campbell, as an interim head coach, was five and seven, didn't get the job, went back into the coordinator position, became the assistant head coach, right, in uh, New Orleans. And um, that's a lot more experience than just being a linebacker coach. I'm not, again, not putting down Antonio Pierce, just saying Dan Campbell's journey to head coach was much longer and he had a lot more experience. So even though they have very similar personalities because they're both motivators, both amazing leaders of men, you can't compare. That's why it's dangerous to com to make comparisons sometimes. So I just want to put that out there. All right. We're going to get to an a, a email from our good friend Gary Harkin-Reader, who says, uh, Happy New Year, guys, sort of. I wasn't able to watch or listen to the game, just watch the highlights. There's also going to be uh, questionable officiating always. What I gleaned from the highlights was simply that the Colts wanted it more than the Raiders. So let's move on and beat the Broncos. That's from Gary Harkin-Reader, our good, good friend who writes in all the time. So, Gary, Happy New Year to you, too. And, yes, the Colts... <coughs> The Colts are a bona fide playoff team. Now they got to beat the Texans this weekend. Uh, but but certainly you talked about it, and I know people were giving you gruff on 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 online about it yesterday. The, the the Raiders came out flat. They just didn't come out, and it wasn't blaming the time zone. It's just they just didn't come out on fire like they did against Kansas City. Two things. I could tell Gary Harker Reader isn't too happy because usually <laughs> Gary Harker Reader writes a longer email. He he kept it short and sweet this time. Yes. Gary, Gary seems ticked <laughs> about that performance. But no, in all, in all seriousness, I, I you you said it. On the last show, I mentioned the Raiders just came out flat. So Gary is on point with that. Even though he didn't watch the full game and just watch the highlights, he's pretty much uh, on target with it. The Raiders didn't want it as much as the Colts in that game. Yeah, they, they played on Eastern time zone. And as I said, that's not an excuse. I want to make that clear for the gentleman who, who questioned whether I said that was an excuse for the Raiders or not. I'm not saying no that was an excuse, but it's in the Raiders' history that when they go to East Coast time zones, technically, for the most part, they have struggled. Now, they did it on back-to-back -back games on a short week. So you're coming off of an emotional win of Kansas City, and then you have to get up for another team that's in the playoff hunt. It's tough to do. Again, yeah. not an excuse, but there is a there's a higher level of difficulty there, especially when you're on the road and back-to-back -back games outside of your natural times that you're used to playing it. So I just want to put that out there. But Gary is right. Uh, the Colts came out ready to play. The Raiders came out flat. 
And as I said, I pointed out the point where Max Crosby had to kind of gather the troops around, give them a pep talk because the Raiders needed it. And they dug themselves a 14-3 hole and they weren't able to dig themselves out. The offense didn't click to midway through the third quarter. And that's the result you get. They only lost 23-20. But you throughout that game, the box score can, I don't want to say lie to you, but it can be mixed misleading. Aiden O'Connell, if you look at the box score, oh, he did pretty well. Had a quarterback rating above 90, I believe, through two touchdown passes. But for the Raiders' offense not to get it together until midway through the third quarter, it's just not good enough against a team uh, that's in the playoff hunt and playing relatively well. Absolutely. Gary, Happy New Year to you, too, as well. Now we're going to get to our third caller. Uh, The third caller, this is important to you guys. When you call in, by the way, when you call us, make sure you leave your name. Because a lot of times uh, we get calls and and you're not leaving your name. And, and so we can't tell people who you are and you can't take credit for your brilliant call. So make sure you do that. 702-900-7869 is a number. 702-900-7869 if you want to leave us a, a message coming up after the weekend. Uh, so here's a call. I don't know who you are. So you'll have to like ping us online or let us know who you are. You can call back in next week. But here's an anonymous call. <laughs> I say anonymous just because you didn't leave your name. But here's call number three. Hey, uh, Scott. How's it going? Hey, um, I'm kind of new to the show. Um, I just pray like something to you guys. I like your content. You and uh, Mo Moten. You guys, uh, you know, get to the point. You know, you guys are you guys are candid about, you know, your 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 feedback from the team. Um, but I, I think with this team, we need to be careful. You know, um, I think one of the biggest things that you can do as a person is make a decision based off of uh, an emotion. And I feel like there's a lot of emotions right now with the Raiders and us wanting to win. So my thought process for this off season, which whatever happens, um, you know, um, we, we should, they, they should consider signing a consultant or somebody in between, somebody that can facilitate some of those things with, with the organization, because, um, you know, we made, it's a critic, it's a, it's critical what's been going on the last 20 years. We don't want to make any more mistakes, and I think the best way to do it is start from the top, um, hire some type of facilitator or, I don't know, somebody in between, somebody higher than a GM, somebody that can kind of, that knows what they're doing and, and can kind of coach these, these guys. But it has to start from the top. You know, you can't put the cart in front of the horse, you know. Like, um, you got to start from the top. That person hires a GM, and from there it goes on. You can't go, I, I feel like, with the coaching staff that we have, we can't hire somebody and then they have to kind of get along or, or try to figure each other out. It's got to start from the very top. So um, I want to carefully um, build. So um, that's the only thought. thought. And, and like I said, I want to keep Devontae. And, and honestly, with this offseason, uh, we need to get a quarterback for sure. I mean, I mean, Aiden McConnell's going to be fine. You know, he might, he might be good in a couple of years, but um, – we have a lot. We have a lot of stuff we still need to work on, but we have to draft the quarterback and and possibly pick up a, another receiver, possibly to to help out. Because um, I don't think I don't think Grant was going to be there in the off season, and of course, offensive line is going to be a priority. But I just want that's how I feel. I just want to, I just don't want another issue in three to five years. So I think, like I said, if you start off from the top and, and you get your management in line, um, you can have success. So um, that's all I got about that. But love the show. Um, love your content. Uh, keep doing your thing. There you go. I'm not sure who you are. Great call, though. 
Bo, I think he brought up a lot of good good points there uh, that that are are valid. Which I think to his point about, and I say it all the time on the show, right? And and I don't I don't criticize fans for being emotional. That's what a fan is, right? You're supposed to be emotional about your team. And Raider fans are so deep in their fandom and they love their team and their culture that I get it. But as the caller said, this is a big decision. And so you don't just run into it and say, oh, I like the guy because he did this or did that. You have to really be methodical in how you build this thing going forward. Here's what I got from that call. I don't think whoever that caller is, I, it sounds like he doesn't trust Mark Davis making executive decisions. <laughs> <laughs> That's because true he too. Talked, he talked about bringing in uh, someone as a kind of go-between who's, as he as the caller said, knows what he's doing uh, because clearly Mark Davis has struck out at the plate when it comes to hiring GMs and head coaches. Now, the John Gruden situation was out of his reach. Um, yeah. Again, NFL investigation into the Washington football team revealed some emails that he had uh, a, nearly a decade ago or more. So uh, Mark Davis couldn't foresee that happening. So I won't put that on Mark. But I will say that I believe Tashawn Reed, the athletic, brought up bringing in a team president who makes the football decisions. Because as Tarek said on our first call, Mark, uh, Mark Davis has already admitted that he has to acknowledge that he, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. So that's acknowledging I'm not a football guy like my dad, like my late father was. But I can bring in some football people who know the game better than I do who can make those critical decisions. I think that's what this call is talking about. So to tie Tarek's call to this call, I believe there's some symmetry and agreement there. I will say this, though. As he said, it starts at the top. And a lot of people say, Mark Davis needs to sell the team. That ain't happening, folks. This caller didn't say that. But guess no. what? The team is making too much money. It's printing money. Mark Davis ain't selling. So the best thing, the best case scenario is Mark Davis has to have some knowledgeable people, knowledgeable football people in his ears so that he makes this decision the best decision for the Raiders moving forward because, as this caller said, it's critical because if he makes the wrong hire this time and the team gets set back another three years, you're wasting the good years of Max Crosby, Devontae, uh, the final years of Devontae Adams if he stays, and some other good players that are developing. So, you, again, you want to capitalize on what the Raiders have right now, and that's a good defense and some pretty good offensive pieces in Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers is a good number two wide receiver. You Steph Colton Miller, who's in the uh, prime of his career. So you don't want to waste that. You have to get the decision right first. It starts with the GM. I know a lot of people want to talk about the head coach, but it starts with the GM, who's going to be knee-deep in the draft decisions because, let's be honest, the Raiders haven't drafted well for a while. Since the, yep. since the Reggie McKenzie year with Derek Carr and the Khalil Mack class, the Raiders have not drafted relatively well. So the GM is important as a head coach because the GM is the guy that's going to make those calls on draft day. So the Raiders have to draft well, so it's important to get the right GM, and the Raiders have to develop talent well, which they've struggled to do before Antonio Pierce. So they have to get the head coaching right, head coaching decision right, and then those guys together have to get the quarterback decision right. Right, and there was a, there was a writer up on Sports Knot on November first. Remember that day, the day that they fired Josh McDaniels who wrote a piece about how Mark Davis needed to do things differently. I, I, think, I think his name is Scott. And I want to <laughs> quote my story because the caller brought it up. And I said, quote, the entire mindset Raiders owner Mark Davis uses in his role as owner of the One Story franchise must change or it is doomed to repeat past mistakes, right? So this mm -hmm. is the point. This is where I recommended, humble me, doesn't know anything about front office football, 
that that he hire like an executive vice president of football operations, somebody who knows football, somebody who is so steeped, has relay, all that kind of stuff. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think it gets to the caller's point about who do you rely on? Who do you go to mm-hmm. for, because Mark Davis, as you said, said, I don't know what I don't know. So if that's the case, go find somebody who can help you decide. And whether or not he's doing, he might be doing that. We don't know. I don't necessarily believe he needs to tell people he's doing that. Right. It's yeah. none of our business. It's his business. He can do what he wants. But I, I do agree with the caller. It's it's a very good point there as well. So thank you for the call. Please let us know what your name was, because it was was a great call. And we appreciate you being a new listener as well. So that's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Someone who's not a new listener that we know very, very well here. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm so choked up about it uh, on YouTube and on the podcast is Raider 27. Raider 27. Here's his call. Hey, Scott. Midtown Mo. It's Raider 27. You know what? I just thought it's amazing to me after all these coaches we've gone through and every one of them says we're going to change the culture. No one ever <laughs> thought, oh, they're the Raiders. They have a culture. All they got to do is let the players be Raiders and the culture will take care of itself. So you guys hope you had ho- great holidays. And um, thanks. This is Raider 27 out. There you go. Raider 27. We appreciate you, man. Um, it's a good point. And you know what? I think it, whether it's Antonio Pierce or Jim Harbaugh or whoever else, but I think those two guys, they understand the Raider culture because they've both been in it. And number two, that is a very Al Davis thing, right? Al Davis's whole point about, you know, why did you bring on Lyle Alzado? Why did you bring on John Matuzak? Because And what did those players, why did they love Al Davis so much? Because Al Davis's mantra was let people be who they are. And that was a good point I was going to come to is that that's another reason why Antonio Pierce is a strong candidate. Mm-hmm. I remember Vinny Bonsignor had a post-game interview with Jack Jones, and they were, he was talking about Antonio Pierce's coaching style. And Jack Jones basically said, Antonio Pierce lets guys be themselves. Yeah, there's some responsibility when you're on the field, when you're off the field, handle yourself as a professional. But he's not babying guys. He's not forcing guys to conform to a certain culture. He lets them be themselves. And that is part of the Raider culture. And that's probably, that not probably, but that's part of why I became a Raider fan is because I saw players who were, who were unabashedly themselves. Outlaws in the NFL, yes. But they all had different personalities. And it wasn't kind of like all buttoned up. You have to conform to this system, this culture that we have. I know I'm out in New York, so I'm used to uh, George Steinbrenner for, you know, having players cut their hair. You can't have long beards. You can't have long hair. You have to have this clean-cut look. With the Raiders, it's the complete opposite. Come in as you are and be you and win football games. Yes. And I think that goes a long way with, one, treating adults like adults. When you go to your work, do you, you, know, you want to be treated as an adult, be able to be yourself. When you're not yourself or you feel like you're not yourself, you're not at your best. And I think that... Again, that's part of the draw to Antonio Pierce. And Jack Jones said it. I'm sure a lot of other players feel the same way. And he gets it. He absolutely gets it. You want to talk about, you know, Paul is saying there is a Raider culture, as Raider 27 said. You want to talk about people saying, look, we don't need to conform to, to be something else. We are who we are. Right. And I think that's why Antonio Pierce is so attractive to a lot of fans. I get it. Because, I, I, again, I grew up the same way. This is part of the reason why I love the Raiders as a young teenager, as a young kid. Uh, but I also understand that, as you said, and as we pointed out, I don't know why people are overlooking this, but Jim Harbaugh is part of the Raider culture. He yes. was a former quarterbacks coach on the staff. 
when yeah. Al Davis was alive. So if it's not Antonio Pierce, who's some who's a candidate who knows the Raider culture, it's Jim Harbaugh. Correct. <laughs> and not only that, but if you look at because I, I hear a lot of folks and I know we're going to talk a lot about Harbaugh on tomorrow's show, but um, a lot of folks telling me he grates on the players. It's like McDaniels. He's too hard on the players. While he is more old school, I mean, the guy's 60 years old. He's not a 38-year-old wonderkin coach like some of these guys that you're going to see in the next hiring cycle. But if you look at the 49ers, I know as much as Raider fans hate 49ers, if you look at the time when he was the 49ers, he let his guys be his guy. Like Personality-wise, you talked about Kaepernick and all that kind of stuff. That locker room, while he might be hard on them in one aspect, the other aspect of letting them be, that's why I don't... Listen... I, I, I wrote a story up on Sports Not this this weekend about how Michael Lombardi, who comes on this show all the time, talked about how he could see Harbaugh in with the Raiders because Harbaugh has at his core an appreciation for history and tradition. And so to me, that's and that's why Lombardi said he was. And remember, Lombardi's son just got fired from the Raiders. So anybody who thinks he's got an axe to grind against the Raiders, he's actually giving them a huge compliment, saying that Harbaugh loves that. And Harbaugh was hired by Al Davis. He understands the Raider mystique and the Raider culture. So if anybody would would gain the most from bringing back the Raiders, it's Jim Harbaugh. So, so to your point, Antonio Pierce, Jim Harbaugh, I think cut from the same ilk, different personalities, different backgrounds, of course. But to his point, I think they would let the Raider culture be the Raider culture. If if Harbaugh was a rigid coach like Josh McDaniels, his coaching style wouldn't work on the collegiate level. No, he wouldn't have Josh a winning McDan record. Right. Josh McDaniels' coach style wouldn't work with college kids. Josh right. McDaniels would be, a, in my opinion, I don't know this for sure, but just my prediction, my projection, Josh McDaniels would be a failure of a head coach on the collegiate level. His personality just doesn't match having to motivate young college athletes. Jim Harbaugh knows how to tap into young college athletes. I'm sure he lets those guys be themselves. If Jim Harbaugh wasn't that, if Jim Harbaugh wasn't a motivator, he wouldn't be a good college coach because let me tell you, that's a big part of being a successful college yeah. coach. You yeah, have to find ways to motivate young men. Well, and Mo, the other thing here too is, it, this is where a situation where perception is opposite of reality. And let me explain to you real quick before we hit the break here, our last break, is that people assume because Harbaugh's in college that he can boss around kids and he can be a hard ass and they can't do anything about it. It's the opposite. If any of you have kids in their teens or 20s right now, <laughs> you're going to tell me those kids react well to Woody Hayes type coaches or Josh McDaniels type. No, that's why the Raiders in the NFL, that's why Josh McDaniels didn't relate to the players. Yes, you got veterans on that team. But who were the guys that it rubbed the wrong way? The worst, probably, are the younger guys. So Jim Harbaugh's able to do it in college. It, it's not in college like you're in jail and you have to do everything they say or you're gonna get you're gonna get you know belted with some kind of paddle or something. No, you have to get buy-in from these young people who look at the world differently. So that's why the criticism of Harbaugh. And again, I'm not saying Harbaugh is the only answer. I'm just telling you the criticism is opposite of what it really is. You, To your point, you have to get buy-in. You have to be a motivator. And so people who say he, he would lose the Raider locker room are just full of crap. They don't even understand the dynamics of a locker room. So I know we talked a lot about Pierce and Harbaugh, but let's remember there are going to be other candidates out sure. there. Sure. Does Ben Johnson, the, uh, the Lions offensive coordinator, want the job? 
What about Mike Mike McDonald, who's been a successful Ravens defensive coordinator, former assistant of Jim Harbaugh, by the way. Frank Smith. Uh, so Frank Smith in Miami, who also knows the Raider culture, who could be a fit if you want to talk about culture. Uh, you also got Dan Quinn. A lot of people don't like retreads, but as I pointed out before, Dan Quinn has a history of building strong coaching staffs. So I want to run this down again. He had Mike McDaniel before Mike McDaniel became a head coach. He had Kyle Shanahan before Kyle Shanahan became a head coach. He had Raheem Morris, who again may be a head coach candidate because of what he's doing out there in Los Angeles. It's not a it's not a shutdown defense, but a lot of people still like Raheem Morris. He was also on Dan Quinn's staff, along with Mike McDaniel, along with Kyle Shanahan. So there are going to be other candidates out there. Again, I know yes. we talked mostly about two, but I think those Pierce and Jim Harbaugh, we, we talked, we focused on Pierce and Harbaugh because that's what Raider Nation is discussing most right now. If you go right. on Twitter, if you go on X, whatever you want to call it, if you would go on Facebook, if you talk to people, a lot of people are talking Harbaugh, a lot of people are talking Tony Pierce, and there are, as usual, there are two camps. There's an Antonio Pierce camp. There's a Jim Harbaugh camp. And I will say there is a John Gruden camp that's still out there. Believe it or not, there is buzz that maybe Mark Davis hires John Gruden again. I would not be on board with that. John Gruden, as we know, in my opinion, John Gruden is a good play caller. But when it comes to building a football team, roster personnel decisions, not so good. I know some of the Gruden Mayock guys have played well recently, Malcolm Kuntz being one of them. But do you trust John Gruden to build your team from the ground up? How many first-round draft picks did the Raiders squander under John Gruden and Mike Mayock? Well, so I well, just want to yeah. put that out there. Conveniently, everybody wants to blame that on Mayock now, uh, which is not the case. So interesting. And listen, <laughs> there are there are some really respectable people, people that have been on this show, people that I that I I highly regard as professional, who say that the Gruden possibility actually exists. I don't yep. believe, I mean, I'm not calling them liars. I'm saying I don't believe it ever happens. I, I'd be willing to bet my right Scott, foot on that. Scott. I, with, I'm telling with, you, I just, I, I just don't look, see it happening. I don't see it. I, tweet, I tweeted this, I believe, in November after Josh McDaniels was fired uh, after Halloween, I believe. And, and I said, and the Gruden stuff came up, and I said, no way. I mean, the, the, I mean one, I'm not the type of person who loves to look in the rearview mirror. Like, just move on from that. Like, I, I get it. He was he resigned for reasons outside of football. But you also have to remember he has, a, I believe, a pending lawsuit with the league, and there's mm -hmm. just so many tentacles yeah. to that. Leave that in the past and move on. I agree. I agree. All right, so there you go. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, we'll get to two pieces of mailbag. We'll get it to a voicemail from our good friend Jacob in Fresno and also Richard in Texas with an email. You're listening to Silver and Black today with Mo and Scott. We're coming back right after these words.